Good to see everybody here in person. Good to see you worshiping online. So take your copy of God's Word. Open with me to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4. Uh, we're closing out the last chapter of the last letter that Paul wrote. 2 Timothy 4 verse 9 through verse 22. So go ahead and share this service. If you're in the room, outside of the room, share this. Get the word out that we are about to get into the word. Uh, this week, Tanya and the girls went to the beach, which means that our dog Brady and I spent the week together. What a blessing that was. You can see from this picture how excited she was all week. She wouldn't eat food. This is one of her favorite treats, a milk bone right there in front of her. She won't eat it. She didn't eat Monday. She didn't eat Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Girls left on Monday, came back on Friday. As far as I know, she didn't drink a drop of water for five days. I fill her water bowl up to the brim, and it, nothing was ever gone out of it. I changed it out a few times, thinking something was wrong with the water, and she just didn't drink. I'd take her outside to do her thing, and she wouldn't come back in. I had to go out and get her. One time it was raining. I had to go get her in the rain. Sign me up for that again. That was a lot of fun. Why, why did she look so pitiful? Why was she like, here's why. She, she was longing to be back together with the girls. Longing for that. So this morning, out of 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 22, I want to speak to you on the subject. Don't lose your longing to be gathered together. Don't lose your longing. In the Baptist Press this week, an article read, Most Americans Not Comfortable Coming Back to Church. And I get that, totally. In fact, we've said here, if you're not comfortable with the COVID-19 stuff going on and you and your family have to make a decision that's safe for you, that's great. If you're not comfortable, don't come back yet. At the same time, I hope that we are uncomfortable about not gather, gathering together. I hope it makes us uneasy. I hope there's a, there, there's a feeling of, of loss or, or we never lose that, that, that desire, that longing to gather together again. I'm not talking about guilt. I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty. Some of you don't need to be here yet. In fact, if you're sick or feeling sick and you try to come, we're not going to let you in. So don't come back. Uh, some of you, you, you're at a stage of life where you're more susceptible and you don't need to come back yet. Others of you, uh, if you're having immunocompromised, you don't feel comfortable coming back, don't come back. That's perfectly fine. And I know we're divided on the issue. I know some people think, Pastor, we came back way too early. Some people think, Pastor, we didn't come back soon enough. I mean, we're divided on this issue, but we're going to focus on unity today. And the unity is this, whether you're in the room worshiping with us or at home worshiping with us, which we're grateful for both, here's the unity. We can all be sure to never lose our longing to gather together. Paul, in his last words, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, 9 through 22, never lost his longing to be gathered with God's people. So I want to read it to you. Follow along. We'll start in verse number 9 in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. So verse 9, here we go. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. Verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak. 
that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Look at verse 17. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prissa and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus, Erastus, remained at Corinth, and I left Trophimus, who was ill, at Miletus. Look at this, verse 21. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Father, it is good to be gathered, whether at home, online, or in person, to hear the Word of God. God, it's good to respond to the Word of God. I pray that as we hear it, we'll respond to it, and it will please you in our response. We ask all this in the name that is above every name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, Amen. So our takeaway today is pretty simple. Our big idea is simple, long to gather together. Four times you heard Paul say something like this, do your best to come to me soon. When you come, right, get the cloak, bring it with you. Get Mark and bring him with you. Do your best to come to me before winter. I mean, Paul has a longing to be together with God's people. And so what I want to do is point out six helps that will help us ensure that we never lose this longing to gather together. Number one, friend more people and fewer profiles. Like friend actual people and not profile. You know, a profile, somebody, when somebody has a, a new profile pic or does a new profile, they're putting out there what they want you to know about them or what they want you to believe about them or what they want you to see about them. So don't, don't friend profiles, friend actual people, like real live breathing people. When you read Paul's letters, you will see that there's a lot of people mentioned. Names I cannot pronounce, right? And, and they're people. They're real people, which means that people matter to God. People matter to Paul. I wonder, do people matter to us? Like, yes, we have a list of over 400 people that matter, right? They matter to us. They matter to Paul. They matter to God. So let's check out some of these folks. Uh, let's see, Damas here is mentioned right out of the gate. And Damas was a, was a loyal friend, a trusted friend of Paul. He was within his inner circle. He was also associated with Luke and Mark. You can read about him in Colossians. We find him in Philemon. He's, he's in other places. Paul loved this guy, but he walked away. He was more in love with the world than he was loving the Lord's appearing. And so Paul was crushed. You ever have a friend just crush you, desert you, betray you? It hurts, doesn't it? And so Damas was in love with the present world. You know, I, I, what we see here is our deepest hurts come from people we love the most, doesn't it? I mean, let's be honest. There's some people on Facebook that unfriend you, and you could care less, right? 
Then there's some that unfriend you, and it hurts. I mean, it hurts. You, you have a relationship with them, and you love them, and you care for them, and it hurts. So our deepest hurts come from people that love us, and Paul was hurt. This hurt his heart that Demas had gone to love the world rather than love the Lord's appearing. And so then we see these other two guys, Crescents and Titus. These were beloved brothers who Paul sent out. He sent them out. He gave them their blessing. You go to Galatia, you go to Dalmatian, you take the gospel where you go. But their absence was still felt by Paul. You ever have a dear friend move away? Love them dearly and they move away, right? I mean, you know and you bless them when they go. You're not mad at them, but you still feel the absence, of course. Paul was a real person with real friends, and then we see this guy in verse 11. Look at this guy, Luke. <laughs> like, like Luke alone is with me. Like Luke must have been a joy to be around, right? Luke's all I got. <laughs> it makes us think that Paul might be saying, hey, could you come rescue me from this awkward guy named Luke? But that's not who Luke, Luke was. Luke was a beloved physician, Paul called him. Luke was a faithful friend, a dependable friend. He, he wrote the book of Acts. I mean, he was Paul's biographer in the book of Acts. He's his ghostwriter for the book of Acts, if you will, uh, through the hand of the Holy Ghost, obviously. But he was with Paul. He loved Paul. He, he, he supported Paul. He was Paul's confidant. Right? Great friend is Luke. He's with him now. Then we see this guy named John Mark. Get Mark. Bring him with you. Now, we know that Mark and Paul had a falling out. Mark accompanied Paul on his first missionary journey, and Paul left. I mean, Mark left and went home. So, uh, Paul teamed up with Silas, Barnabas with Mark, and there was a division in this relationship. Well, apparently they've reconciled. Who in your life, with whom in your life, do you need to reconcile? I know there's got to be somebody that you need to reconcile with. Paul and Mark reconciled. That's, that's clearly apparent here. Get Mark and bring him. How do we know he reconciled? Listen to what he says. He is useful to me for ministry. He used to be useless. Now he's useful. He used to be a disgrace, but now he's an instrument of grace. Here's what Mark gives us hope in this. That regardless of your past failures, even rejection, that you can still have a present and future ministry. That just because you shirk the gospel early in life or shirking the gospel now does not mean you can't become a worker of the gospel through the gospel for the gospel that's what mark it encourages us that yes reconciliation is possible and it's much needed in many of our relationships so who is it that you need to reconcile with at some point they reconcile and here's this guy named tychicus isn't that a cool name tychicus that's a cool name. And this guy had a, man, what an assignment he had. He actually delivered books of the Bible to the church. Like he took the book of, of Colossians and delivered it to the church at Colossae. How cool is that? He actually took the first copy of the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And most likely, he carried this letter to Ephesus, to Tim, because Paul tells us, I've sent him to Ephesus. Like Tychicus, I've sent to Ephesus, right? I think of Tychicus as uh, Paul's um, uh, TikTok. I don't know much about TikTok. I know TikTok is a social media platform where people can do videos and do messages. And Now, Paul's message, of course, was not renegade. It wasn't renegade, but it was reconcile, 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 reconcile. 
Like this was the message, and Paul put it in Tychicus' hands, and he carried it, Paul's TikTok, to the church, to Timothy, this pastor at Ephesus. Man, Paul had a wide range of friends here. Tychicus. And then Paul had some old friends. You know those old friends you hadn't talked to in decades, but whenever you get together, you pick up where you left off. Like you might not talk to them in, in, in 10 years, but as soon as you pick up the phone, as soon as you see them, y'all just pick up like y'all hadn't been apart. Like you've been together the whole time. Well, that was Paul's friends in verse 19. Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Onesiphorus. Uh, Erastus is theirs too, and, and also Trophimus. These are, these are friends that Paul already had, right? Mutual friends and old friends. And then Paul has some new friends. Look at the last four names. We know nothing about Eubulus or Pudens or Linus or Claudia. We don't know anything about these four people, nothing at all. All we know is their names are included in this book. That's what we know. And so here's, here's some good news about new friends. Paul, although he was hurt and betrayed, he still put himself out there and made new friends. Right? He's showing us that he is friending people more than profiles. He's showing us that people still matter. Even if you're hurt or betrayed or deserted, people still matter. And Paul friended people. Left and right, he friended people. And these new friends remind us that, hey, uh, there may not, your may, name may not be in lights, but if you know Christ, your name is written in a book, the Lamb's Book of Life. And that's all that matters. So sure, we don't know anything about these folks, but God does. God knows them, and he knows their work for Christ and not, was not in vain. That they belong to the Lord. Friends, what do we do when friends hurt us, when they desert us, when they betray us, when they backstab? I was reading about a, a duck hunter who went out hunting, had his dog with him, and had his shotgun on the bow of the boat, and the dog got excited and jumped on the shotgun, and it fired and shot the hunter in the rear end. Man's best friend didn't stab him in the back, but shot him in the backside. What do we do when our friends stab us in the back? What do we do when we're hurt and deserted and betrayed? Well, first of all, we need to understand something about friendships. We don't need to define friendships the way the world does. The Bible defines friends as those who stick closer than a brother, one who loves at all times. Jesus laid down his life for his friends. This is how we know what a friend is, that God himself... Let Jesus Christ in the flesh laid down his life for you and for me. He considered us friends to the point that he laid down his life for us. And if you'll trust in the work of Christ at the cross, you will be transferred from not only a friend of God, but to a child of the living God, into the family of God. Man, friend more people and fewer profiles. Number two. How can we ensure that we won't lose our longing to gather together? Number two, never stop needing one another. Look at verse 13. Here's what Paul says. He actually has, has a request here from Timothy. Bring the cloak. Bring, bring my cloak. I left it with this guy named Carpus. And bring my books and my parchment. In other words, bring my library. Right? So Carpus was a trusted friend. I, I, know, he, I know Paul trusts him because, listen, preachers and pastors don't trust everybody with their library. Okay? This was a close friend. And he said, bring that cloak. And that cloak made me think about blind Bartimaeus who threw his cloak to the side and followed after Christ. Tossed that security blanket aside and chased after Jesus. Well, Paul's finished his race. He's come to the end. He knows he's about to be away from the body and present with the Lord. He knows he's about to die. He knows he's about to be persecuted and executed. So he's got this cloak that he wants back to keep him 
warm and dry in his last days. You know, we never stop needing one another. Paul needed these, or he had a request for these essentials, we might think of them. The Word of God and, some, and, and something to keep him warm and dry. Paul understood this. There's two things that last for all of eternity. The souls of men, women, boys, and girls, and the Word of God. And Paul was focused on both of those when we come to the end of his life. He served people. He met people's needs, but he also needed his own needs met. He wasn't some superhero that had superpowers that we don't have access to. The same power he had in the Holy Spirit is the same power you have in and through and by the Holy Spirit as a believer and a follower of Christ. He needed other people. We never stop needing, we never need to stop needing one another. And if, we, if we'll do that, we will always ensure that we have a longing to be together. We need each other. A little girl in our church, in our children's ministry, made me a couple of items recently. She made me a mask. She made me a little wallet. And she made me a pillow. And she used material that she found in her brother's closet. Picked it up off the floor. It was, come to find out, it was her brother's favorite shirt that she just cut up with scissors and made a pillow out of. And she stuffed the pillow. She didn't have stuffing to stuff it with, so she stuffed it with something more precious than gold today, toilet paper. I've got a pillow that's stuffed with toilet paper. Got a little mask and a little wallet made out of her brother's favorite shirt that I have now. Why did she do that? Because we need each other. We serve each other. We love each other. We, We meet each other's needs. And apparently she knew I needed a pillow with toilet paper and a mask and a little wallet. Yes, we never stop needing one another. Don't get to the place where you think that we exist as believers in isolation. That doesn't work. We are one another people. Number three, make more of the message than the messenger. You know, I read an article the other day that said it takes 66 days to form a habit. 66 days to form a habit. Well, from the time of March when we shut down and the time of June when we opened up, it was 84 days. 84 days. If you've not been back yet to an in-person gathering, it's been 105 days. 105 days. I know some of us have not come back to in-person gatherings because of COVID-19 and health concerns. And again, that's great. Take your time as long as you need before you feel comfortable coming back. But I also believe that some of us That has nothing to do with why we've not come back. We have formed a habit of not gathering together. And that is dangerous. You've not come back because now you have a habit of not being here. And you're used to that so you hadn't been back. If we never stop needing one another, we'll ensure that we will gather together. Number three is this. Make more of the message than the messenger. I want you to see what Paul says in verse 14, 15, 16, and 17. He's pointing out the message is more important than the messenger. Notice, he says, Alexander, this coppersmith, he did Paul great harm. Why? Because the coppersmith will make idols. That's what he did for a living. And the gospel threatened that. It, it 
threatened his bottom line, quite frankly. He wouldn't be able to sell as many idols because people would trust Christ and know there's no other gods before the one true God, and they would follow Jesus and not these idols, and it would hurt his bottom line. So he was opposed to that, and he was opposed to Paul's message. And Paul makes it clear that, yes, Paul was hurt by this, but it wasn't Paul he was opposed to. He was opposed to Paul's message. He was opposed to the gospel, this message that Jesus has come to give us new life. He's come to, to, to live a life we could never live and to die a death. Every one of us should have died, raised to life to give all who believe in him a future, a hope, salvation now and forever. And so Paul would preach this message, and Alexander was opposed to it, and he did him great harm. And Paul says something interesting. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. We need to understand that there's coming a day when the righteous judge will judge and will all be held accountable. We need to get our arms around that truth. I like what Dale Ralph Davis wrote, and I quote, King James VI of Scotland was notoriously rude when attending worship services. On one occasion, he was seated in his gallery seat with several aristocrats while Robert Bruce preached. In his usual form, the king began to talk to those around him during the sermon. The, the pastor Bruce paused. The king fell silent. The minister resumed, and so did the king. Bruce ceased a second time, same result. When the king committed the third offense, Bruce, the pastor, turned, addressed the king directly, and said this, It is said to have been an expression of the wisest of kings. When the lion roars, all the beasts of the field are quiet. The lion of the tribe of Judah is now roaring in the voice of the gospel, and it becomes all, and it becomes all the petty kings on earth to be silent. In other words, Paul, just like Ralph Davis, just like Bruce here, Paul says, hey, what is more important is the message, not the messengers. Let me show you again how Paul does this. Look again here at verse uh, number 16. At my first defense, no one came to my, my side, but they all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. So you could say, hey, Paul's going to make it out to be all about Paul. And then he says, what does he say? May it not be charged against them. Now think about when Stephen was being stoned. A young man by the name of Saul was there. This was Paul. And, and he was there giving approval to the stoning of Stephen. And Stephen looked around at all those who were persecuting him. And he said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. Jesus looked at your sin. And he looked at my sin. And as he took our sin on the cross, Jesus prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Paul follows suit. May it not be held, may it not be charged against them. Paul's not focused on Paul, he's focused on the message of the gospel. And then he says this. In verse 17, the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. Paul doesn't say, man, the Lord strengthened me so all the Gentiles could hear me, could hear Paul. They could hear me in my eloquent, eloquent speech. They could hear me. No, he said that they could hear the gospel. Paul made more of the message than he did the messenger. And why is that important? 
Charles Spurgeon said it like this, Consider how precious a soul is, and must be, when God and the devil are after it. Think about that. J. Warner Wallace said it like this, Not all roads lead to your house, and not all roads lead to the Father's house. For Jesus is the way and the truth and life, and no man comes to the Father but by Him. I understand that some of you have not come back because of COVID-19 health concerns, and that's perfectly fine. Immunocompromised, uh, susceptible, that's fine. Don't come back until you're ready. Some of you have not come back because you formed a habit. But there's another group that haven't come back, and you, you weren't here in March, and you hadn't been back in years, frankly, maybe even decades. Because sometime, at some point, one of the messengers, and get this, we're all, if you're a follower of Christ, you're a messenger of the message. And at some point, a messenger hurt your feelings. You were hurt. And, so, and I'm not downplaying your hurt. You were hurt. You were hurt. And you've not come back to church. And you have no plans on coming back to church. And you're making it more about the messenger than you are the message of the gospel. You need to turn from that. You need to repent from that and come back. We want you to come back. Uh, it's, it's likely that that messenger that hurts, they may not even be here anymore. And you may not even remember what it was about. So come back. Don't lose your longing to gather together. Number four, verse 18, number four. Worship your worries away. Worship your worries away. Now, Paul had every right to worry. He's in a dark, cold Roman prison. Luke is with him. He's about to die. He knows he's about to be away from the body and present with the Lord. He's got temptation after temptation. Evil deed done to him after evil deed. Alexander has harmed him. Some have deserted him. Others have walked away from the truth. He's just being hurt at every side, every evil deed. And here's what Paul says. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And look what Paul does. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul had every opportunity and every temptation to worry, but when he thought about what the Lord's going to do and deliver him from every disease, deliver him from every evil deed, he just burst out in worship. He couldn't help himself. He worshiped his worries away. This is so critically important for us. I know 2020 feels like we're living in the Facebook comment section. I know that. I know it feels like with every headline, we're thinking, what is happening? A dust cloud from Africa? I mean, what is going on? Right? I mean, what is happening? We look around and hear this and we hear that. And it feels like we're living in the twilight zone. I get that. And we're bombarded. Headline after headline is like one temptation after another to worry. And we're tempted to worry all the time. But I want to challenge you to do something. Let me first say this. Being tempted to worry is not a sin. Worrying is a sin. Being tempted to do so is not a sin, but when you worry, that is sin. So let me encourage you to do this. Just this week, just try this for this week. For every headline you read that's insane, for every social media post you read, try reading one Bible verse. Keep, keep track of it. Try reading one Bible verse for every social media post you read or every headline you read. Keep up with it. Read it. And I promise you, God will do something in your heart to cause you to worship amidst all the worry. Just trust God. Read his word. Read one Bible verse for every social media post and see what God will do in your heart. You can either worship your worries away or you can worry your worship away. 
One does nothing, the other does everything. So you get to choose that. Choose wisely. Number five, come to Jesus before Jesus comes. Verse 9 and verse 21. There's this call from Paul to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon. Uh, Do your best to come before winter. Before winter. Why is that important? Because when winter comes, Timothy's not going to be able to travel. It would halt his travel. The time to come would end when winter hit. And Paul knew there wouldn't, he wouldn't make it through the winter. He was at the end of his life, and he knew that. And if Timothy didn't come now, if he didn't come today, if he didn't come right then, he wouldn't see him again. You need to come to Jesus before Jesus comes. There's coming a season when the age of grace is going to be over with. Yes, Jesus says, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. But that season is coming to an end. It will end. It will stop. And so Paul is urging Timothy to come now. The gospel urges, the call of the gospel is to come. To come to the Lord Jesus and find healing and help and salvation and peace and joy and a future and hope to come now. Don't wait, come now. One question I have is is how is it that, that we'll respond immediately to this virus or that crisis Yet we don't respond to Jesus. I don't understand this. And I know you look around and you think, man, the world's falling apart. The world is not falling apart. The world is falling into place because Jesus is coming again. It's never been in place like it has right now. And tomorrow it'll be a little more in place. And the next day it'll be a little more in place because Jesus is coming back. That's what's happening and we respond immediately to this virus and, and, that, and that crisis. And yet there's no response to Jesus. I, I don't get that. We hear about a virus. We respond immediately. Right now we're in a crisis of offending and being offended. And so names are changing. Entities are changing. Brands are changing. This is changing. That's being canceled. This is being canceled. And we look around at everything that's changing and everything's being canceled. And the, ironically, the most offensive name under heaven, the name Jesus is never going to change. You can take down as many pictures of Jesus as you want to, but it's the name above every name. It's the name that's never going to change. And I'm so grateful to the Lord God, my Savior, that He does not look at me a sinner and says, I'm going to cancel sinners. Aren't you so grateful that God doesn't cancel sinners, but yet He canceled our sin debt by nailing it to the tree? That's what I'm thankful for. That that's who our God is. That's what He's done for us. So you need to come to Jesus before he comes, because then it'll be too late. So take your phone. If you're in the room or outside of the room, there's a a number, 79969, that you can text connect to if you want to talk about a conversation about how you can come to Jesus today, right now. And if that's you, let us know. Text connect, and it'll prompt you through the decision you need to make for Christ today. You need to open your heart and hear this good news And come to Christ before it's too late. Come to Jesus before Jesus comes. Because he took your sin and my sin on the cross. Like he nailed it through his hands and his feet. And he died. He took our sin to the grave. And he overcame death by being raised to life. To give you life now and forever. That's the invitation for you to come. Don't wait. Text now. Connect to that number. We'd love to have a conversation with you right now number six last one this is phenomenal to me how paul ends this letter he knows it's the last thing he's going to write 
And he writes in verse 22, The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now here's a guy who probably needs a little grace right now. And he doesn't hoard it for himself. He doesn't say, Grace be with me. The Lord be with my spirit. And grace be with me. No, he gives it away. That's what believers do. We're not takers, we're givers. We're forgiven, we give forgiveness. We receive mercy, we give mercy. We receive kindness, the Lord's kindness, we give kindness. We receive grace, we give grace. Undeserved, unmerited grace. Unmerited, undeserved favor. So be humble, you might be wrong. (laughs) Be kind, you might win someone to Christ. Be, Be generous, you might meet a need. Be forgiving. You, you will feel lighter. Be a friend so you'll never lose your longing to gather together. Give grace away. Church, I pray that as you have heard God's word this morning, that you will be careful not to lose your longing to gather together. One thing we see that's very evident in the New Testament From Matthew all the way to Revelation, there is an underlying longing to be gathered together. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus longed to gather Jerusalem like a hen gathers her chicks, but they would not. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus longs to have the little children come to him and to not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus, as was his custom, would gather with God's people in the synagogue on the Sabbath. We see in the Gospel of John that Jesus, after his resurrection, gathered with his disciples, minus Thomas, and they were glad to see Jesus. In the book of Acts, we see that the church, the place where they gathered, it was shaken And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And and they continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. Oh, in Romans, the Holy Spirit says that neither death nor life, uh, neither things to come or things uh, present or powers or height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can social distance us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. We see in the book of 1 Corinthians that when we gather together and eat the bread and drink the cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. Long to gather together. In 2 Corinthians, we are told that God is is reconciling the world to himself through Christ. that, That God is imploring people who are far from him to be gathered to him. Long to gather together. In the book of Galatians, we see the church referred to as the household of faith. Long to gather together. In Ephesians, we see very clearly that we are no longer strangers, but we are citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. In the book of Philippians, Paul says to the Philippian believers, I love you and I long for you. Man, long to be gathered together. In the book of Colossians, we see that God the Father has, he has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Long to gather together in First and Second Thessalonians. We see that we're going to be caught up in the air as the church. Caught up into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will always be with the Lord. Long to gather together. In First Timothy, Paul says, I hope to come to you soon. And in Second Timothy, Paul says, do your best to come to me soon. Man, there's a longing there to be together. 
In the book of Titus, we read that we are going to be, as now we're waiting, our blessed hope that's coming, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior. A longing to be together. In Philemon, Paul says, prepare for me a guest room, for I, I pray that your prayers will allow me to graciously be given to you. Paul longed to be with the believers. We need to long to gather together. In the book of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit says, Do not neglect the meeting together as is the habit of some, but encourage one another all the day as you see the day approaching. In the book of James, the Holy Spirit says we are to confess our sins to one another and we're to pray for one another, that we're to long to gather together. In 1 Peter, the Holy Spirit says we are a chosen race, one, a royal priesthood, one, a people of God's own possession, a holy nation, one, gathered together, long to be together. In 2 Peter, we're told there's going to be new heavens and new earth that is going to, where righteousness is going to dwell long to gather together. And in 1 John, we see John saying that that which they've heard, that which they've seen, that which they proclaim also to us that we might share in the fellowship with them. Oh, long to gather together. In 2 and 3 John, John says, hey, I hope to come to you and talk face to face. Long to gather together. In the book of Jude, we, we, we read that there's one who keeps us, who's able to keep us from stumbling and present us blameless. Long to gather together. In the book of Revelation, John the Revelator writes and says, He saw a multitude that no one could number from every nation and tribe and language and people standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. I can remember the year the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. Pigs were flying that year. Pigs flew. 2009, 2010, January, they won the Super Bowl. I can remember walking outside in southeast Louisiana and everybody on our street, everybody in our city, had on, had on a, a New Orleans Saints jersey, every one of them. It, it doesn't care what color they were, what socioeconomic class they were. It didn't matter. It didn't matter if they were rich or poor, male or female, black, white, young or old. Everybody joined together with the same jersey on, and the name on the back was Breeze. They call him Breezes in New Orleans. I'm telling you one day, good God Almighty, there's going to be people from every tribe and every nation and every tongue with the white robes on and the name on the back is going to be Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Hallelujah.